Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made waves this week when he announced that Canada has intelligence leaking the government of India to the murder of a prominent BC Sikh leader on Canadian soil. Trudeau said that Canadian security agencies have been pursuing what he calls credible allegations of the link, but the Indian government has so far called the claims absurd. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. National Post political reporter Ryan Tumulty joins me to discuss the killing, why the victim was potentially a political target, and why this is the latest in a long string of tensions between Canada and India. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So Ryan... For the people who are just getting caught up on this story, who is or who was Hardeep Singh Nijjar? Sure. So he was a, a Sikh community leader. He was the president of his gurdwar uh, or temple. You know, had been in the country, had been in Canada since the late 90s. Uh, a big um, presence in the community, I guess. And he'd been part of sort of an organizing group. There is a unofficial referendum on the notion of creating a, a separate state for Sikhs within India. Um, this is a long running idea. It's, you know, like Quebec separatism or Scottish separatism. It's that kind of notion. Um, of course, it's also been associated with violence um, and terrorism and extremism. But, you know, he he was an advocate for this non-binding referendum and just an, an advocate for this notion of what's called Khalistan. And he was killed in June in BC, what were the circumstances around his death? So he was coming out of his temple. He was alone at the time. He was getting into his vehicle, was confronted by two men in masks. Uh, they opened fire. They shot him multiple times, uh, and he was killed. They fled the scene, went to a getaway car that was not nearby. The, the police have released video of that getaway car, seeking to, to find some information about it. And, and that was it. He was killed. And when the murder happened in June, what were some of the going th theories around this killing? I haven't followed the crime itself as closely as, you know, the politics that have emerged this week. But I will say, you know, there were concerns almost immediately in the Sikh community in B.C. Um, that potentially there was Indian government involvement. You know, that was a theory that wasn't given much credence before this week, I would say more broadly, but I think it was a concern in the community almost from the beginning. And then on Monday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made a startling announcement in Parliament around the investigation into Niger's death. What accusation did he make? So he made these accusations uh, just ahead of some media reports or just after some media reports came out about this. And essentially what he said is that Canada's national security agencies have, and this is, the language here is going to be important, credible allegations that uh, the Indian government was involved in this man's death. Um, he didn't go into any sort of specifics about how, and certainly we've been trying to get more details since, and, and not a lot have been forthcoming. But he said that, Yes, the Indian government was involved, they believe, in, in this man's death, which is obviously an enormous admission. Now, did he offer any specifics of the intelligence that he had? Were, you know, in, intelligence sources from within Canada, within India, any indication that were these, quote unquote, agents of the Indian government? Or, or did, are we still have vague information on this file? 
We still have pretty vague information. He did say that it involved Indian government agents, but you know, involved how was very was left very unclear. We've been asking, obviously, the whole press corps has been asking for more details since the prime minister said these things. Um, and most of those questions have gone to the public safety minister, Dominic LeBlanc, who oversees both the RCMP and CSIS. You know, on the RCMP side, Mr. LeBlanc has consistently said that there is an active investigation ongoing. We know that. We know an RCMP team is investigating this case. Um, and he has said he can't say anything because it would jeopardize that case. That has been sort of his consistent line. On the CSIS side of things, we know that CSIS uh, monitors embassies of many countries in Canada and their activities. Certainly, this came up obviously a lot during uh, the spring when we were talking about Chinese foreign interference. You know, you can speculate really about what kind of information uh, the prime minister had, but you know, it would probably have come from one of those two agencies, um, some possibly even some combination. Um, and certainly the fact that there is an active RCMP investigation ongoing, that may be where some of the information is coming as well. Now, with the RCMP investigation, have they offered an update on on their investigation into the murder since Trudeau's announcement? Or have they said, we can't update any further as this is an active investigation? Yeah, they've used the pretty standard line to anyone who's, who's dealt uh, as a media person with a, a police agency that it's an active investigation and they can't comment. You know, certainly uh, I know from talking to my sources that certainly the government really feels like that RCMP in vindicate, sorry, that RCMP investigation will vindicate what the prime minister has said, will substantiate what he has said, and will provide more light when it comes out. But there's really no timeline on when it is going to come out. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, it's a big accusation to make. The prime minister called it essentially a, an attack on our sovereignty. Um, in aside from the you know the strong statements by the prime minister and by opposition politicians, has Canada taken any further steps to retaliate against India? So we know we have um, we've expelled a diplomat, uh, an Indian diplomat who was here. Melanie Jolie, the foreign minister, said that this diplomat in question who has been expelled uh, was the head of what's called the research and analysis wing in Canada. Uh, the research and analysis wing is essentially India's intelligence service, um, you know, their version of the CIA or CSIS. Um, and this gentleman who was sent home was apparently the head of that unit in Canada. Um, other than that, we have not done anything else. There have been no trade sanctions or anything like that. India responded as well by sending one of our diplomats home, um, which is sort of par for the course in these kinds of disputes. But so far, it has been left to words. There have been no trade sanctions. There have been no sort of further escalation. We'll be right back. Now, for its part, India has denied the allegations as absurd, and and so far, it doesn't appear like Canada's main allies, the US, the UK, and Australia, have really taken a firm stance on this, although I, I know Australia has said, and I believe even the US has said, that they're speaking to India as well. Does this incident or these accusations have the potential to strain relations, not just with India, but with other countries, given... India's position as a trading partner for many nations. 
India is a very important country geopolitically uh, for a variety of reasons. It's a balance against China. Uh, there's hope of bringing it closer into the Western orbit. It is not participating as aggressively as a lot of other countries in the sanctions against Russia. Uh, and that is something that the international community would very badly like to change because it is a huge economy. It is the fifth largest economy in the world. It is the largest country in the world from a population perspective. So, you know, it is a very significant country. I think the fact that our allies are not immediately jumping to our defense is not necessarily a reflection on uh, their faith in our intelligence or anything like that. I think it is about the importance of that relationship. Our relationship with, with India is going to be strained. There's no getting away from that now. And there was really no way, you know, if India did in fact do this, there was no way to, of getting away from that from the very beginning. Um, but I think other countries are hoping to potentially at least partially preserve their relationship with India, to keep moving India into a Western orbit in that situation. But I don't necessarily read that as a reflection against Canada. I think other nations of the world, uh, other Western nations and our allies will understand why we felt we had to come forward. Now, we can't discuss this case without kind of getting into the last few decades of history, at least, in, in Canada-India relations, and there have been some sore points over the last few decades. And a lot of it revolves around the Sikh independence movement in Canada. How does this all tie together with this, uh, as you mentioned, the Khalistan movement and tensions between Canada and India? So Canada, I mean, just to start with, Canada has the second largest population of Sikhs anywhere in the world. Um, outside of India. So it's a very significant community here. Um, I think the last estimates I saw were about 800,000 Sikhs who've called Canada home. This issue over Khalistan, you know, I, I'm not going to try to pass myself off as an expert in Indian history. But essentially, it is the push for a free state uh, separate from India for Sikhs. It has been the subject of violence in India. In Canada, of course, Sikh extremists, uh, we believe our intelligence services, although it was very difficult to bring those cases to a trial, as a lot of people might remember, but we believe Sikh extremists were behind the Air India bombing. And there have been other incidents of violence connected to Sikh extremism. Uh, I would say most of those are relatively in the past, you know, in the, in the 80s and 90s. But certainly, yeah, it has been an ongoing concern. I think, um, you know, Sikh extremism, uh, the push for Khalistan is really harshly cracked down upon in India. And I think one of the real areas of tension has always been that they feel Canada should crack down on it as well. And I think there's always been a concern that Canada isn't, in India's mind, there has always been a concern that Canada isn't significantly aggressive about this. Mm -hmm. And we look at, at Niger's case specifically, as my understanding is the, the Indian government felt that he was a terrorist and, and he had said, no, I support the creation of Khalistan, but I'm, I'm not a terrorist and I'm here living in Canada. And he had claimed that he received intelligence not long before he was killed, that he was potentially a, a target. Has his killing and the allegations that there are links to the Indian government raised fears in the Sikh community in Canada that being involved in the Khalistan movement here could prove 
dangerous or even fatal to people? Yeah, you know, I, I think that has definitely raised a lot of concerns here. Um, you know, the, Jagmeet Singh, uh, the NDP leader, who is, of course, also a Sikh man, uh, when he rose in the House in response to the prime minister's comments, he talked about people in the Sikh community have always been afraid in Canada to speak out about Khalistan um, because they felt that would put them in danger when if they returned to India, uh, that they would be at risk of being imprisoned or tortured, that they would be at risk of having their visa denied. In fact, Jagmeet Singh, before he came to federal politics, was an Ontario MPP. He spoke out about human rights issues in India in one point in time, and he was denied a visa. He was not allowed to travel there. So certainly there was a concern there. And what, what Jagmeet Singh said, which I think may be reflective of you know, the broader community, is that no one thought anything like that would happen here. It is one thing for India to enforce its views about this Khalistan issue in its own country. To do so in Canada is an entirely different level. I mean, we are talking about if the prime minister's allegations prove true, a Canadian citizen being murdered on Canadian soil by a foreign government. This is going on not in a vacuum. There's, there have been concerns about foreign interference in Canada by other countries over the last few months. Is there any thought that the prime minister is giving more credence to this because of past allegations? Or is that the kind of theory that's being dismissed out of hand? I think politically, there was a concern uh, this spring when they were talking about allegations of Chinese interference, that one way that I think the liberal government feels that they did fail was erring on the side of secrecy uh, on these allegations and not being transparent, and then looking like they were hiding some something when, when the news would come out, um, you know, in from anonymous sources and things like that. So, you know, I think the what is happening in terms of Canadian politics here, I think, is that I think the Trudeau government learned from that in the spring and decided that transparency is the better option. But I really don't think that the Liberals wanted to be talking about this uh, this week. Um, you know, they were coming into the House with a new agenda on housing affordability and grocery bills. They had these big events with the grocery CEOs, things like that. That is the message that they wanted to be talking about this week. But events can overtake you sometimes. And I think that's what happened here. So, you know, I don't necessarily see this as politically beneficial to the liberals uh, in any way, because it also exposes sort of divided loyalties in, in diaspora communities. And, you know, there are going to be people of Indian descent who will be very disappointed in the Liberals for attacking the Modi government, um, as well as there may be uh, people of Indian descent who are disappointed that they're not attacking the Indian government more aggressively. So I, I really don't think the Liberals did anything here uh, for political reasons. Now, I know the opposition parties in Canada have been calling for the Prime Minister to release more information about the intelligence that he received is that something the prime minister is going to do publicly or is that the kind of thing that, that opposition politicians may get behind closed doors? Will we hear more from the prime minister on this issue in the coming days? So in the coming days, I just don't know. Um, I, I, I am interested to see uh, if perhaps the government will offer the opposition parties a classified briefing that the way they eventually did uh, when it came to the Chinese interference issues. Of course, that will expose some of the questions that came up before 
uh, around, you know, having a having a security clearance does prevent you from speaking about some of these things. In terms of when I think we'll have more public information, you know, the way the government is talking about this right now, especially the public safety minister, is that they do not want to release too much public information because there is that active RCMP investigation and they're concerned about what it would do. They don't want to interfere in that investigation. You know, I, I think they would rather have not come out on Monday if they could have avoided it. They would have waited until that RCMP investigation was complete. You know, I'm, I'm not sure when we'll get more information about this, but the government is being relatively clear that we will through the RCMP investigation. Well, I know it's an issue that, that Canadians are, are curious for more information on, and it is a developing story, so we'll be, we'll be watching for more on that front. Ryan, thanks for your time. No problem. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Ryan Tumulty. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.